Good morning and welcome to the Community Ice Quest here in Tempe, Arizona for a very special edition of Whatcha Talking About live and in person. We're kicking off the 2023-24 season and also the school year here at ASU with a very special edition of Whatcha Talking About. So my name is Ari Wall. I'm pleased to be joined by the three other people here at the desk, Trey Matthews, Chase Beardsley, and Joseph Furtado. So Guys, it's been a long time since we've seen each other in person. It was up until today. So how you guys been doing? I've been doing uh, great. Obviously, it's uh, been six months since I've uh, been present for a uh, women's hockey practice. But it's great to be back. And I think it's just like riding a bike. You're going to get right back into it. I mean, what Trey said, it, I mean, I've been here all summer. So I've gotten to see a couple of things that the uh, – the organization has put on, but it's great to be back, uh, see everyone back again and, you know, getting excited for this upcoming season. Hey, you know, I'm excited to be back, you know, myself. Like I said, uh, those six months surely did fly by. Today is actually the first day of school, and the girls now here back at tryouts at uh, the Iceplex here, and uh, should be a fun show on hand for this one, kicking off uh, the year on the broadcast. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, let's just get right into it here with a little bit of a recap from last season. Sun Devils were the 2023 WCHL Conference champions. They attended nationals for the first time in program history. It was truly one of the best seasons, probably the historically the best season in club history for ASU. So what were some of your main takeaways from last season? Well, as you mentioned, Ari, this was the best season this team has ever had in its existence. They had yet to break through the ceiling of getting through to the WWCHL championship and winning that and then going on to nationals and last year they did it they had all new expectations obviously um they took a little bit step back offensively but they really played a complete game and they found their future starter in carson hellman and that really helped them get to nationals yeah um i like what chase said i think asu going into this year it was definitely their championship to lose i think uh the the main question was how would they step up come playoff time and they were able to uh, get uh, revenge on the on the uh, Colorado Buttes during the regular season, and I don't even think they even qualified for the the playoffs. And then th their main task during uh, the WWCHL playoffs was, in fact, Grand Canyon University, a team that they were uh, sh uh, that they've had a bad history with. And let's face it, during the regular season, if you had to pick one team aside from Liberty University that gave ASU trouble, it definitely would have been GCU. Those two teams do not like each other one bit. So going into the playoffs, the main task was could ASU not play down to the competition and try to come out victorious not once but twice against GCU, and they were able to do so, and it was definitely deserved by Lindsey Ellis and company. Yeah, you know, Trey just hit it right on the head there. And, you know, what Lindsey did in the last couple of years here with this team, I mean, just going back when I first started broadcasting with them the year before, and they lost the WWCHL championships, you know, right here at home at Oceanside Arena. And then, you know, the team they put together last year to go in and have the win streak they put out in the first few opening games. They went on that seven-game losing streak, then they finally lost to GCU, snapping uh, uh, that seven-game win streak, the longest win streak they had in program history. There were just so many highlights for this team, and like you just talked about, winning the WWCHL championship, getting that chance to go to nationals and compete there, and uh, you know we'll see what this team could uh, do. And like I said, uh, we'll see if they'll be even better this year. Yeah, it was such a great season from a team perspective, but you look at it from an individual standpoint as well. So many players stood out, had very impressive seasons. So I want to hear from each of you as well. What player, if you had to pick one player, 
stood out to you the most from last season? Well, I think there's a bunch of names you could choose, but for me personally, I have to say Sydney Paulson. In her junior year, first with ASU, put up 27 points, 14 of those goals. Of course, we all remember the four-game uh, night at Mullet. Such an impressive outing from her, especially what she did uh, in the second half compared to the first half. She really turned into a complete overall player in the second half, especially when put on that line with Sam Murphy. I'm excited to see what she does this upcoming season. I'm going to have to go with uh, Ellie McKenna because she's a, uh, at the time, she was a sophomore transfer from post-university, and she was originally a defenseman, but she was later converted to a forward, and she was able to put up a very productive season. She finished off the year with 21 game appearances. She had 11 goals, three assists for a grand total of 14 points. Not quite a point-per-game player, but she was always uh, flirting with it. She was always hovering around in that ballpark, so... I'm going to go with uh, Ellie McKenna, one of uh, the many Anchorage, Alaskan natives uh, on this team for Lindsay Ellis because, once again, McKenna being a sophomore transfer, having to get adjusted to a new system, a new program, and having to swap positions and able to thrive in it because, once again, McKenna was one of the more consistent goal-getters for ASU this year because this team is not really an offensive-centric unit, but... They were able to um, they they were able to find some diamonds in the rough in players like Ellie McKenna. Yeah, and you know I'm just gonna kind of hit off what just Trey said. And, you know, player I'm gonna go stand out with. We're gonna go with the back end. You know, a team who really needs some help back there on the back line, and and that's gonna go with, with Flo Autumn. What she was able to bring, she was such a good skater and was able to be such a great puck moving defenseman and really get the rush going for Arizona State and. Like I said, she contributed so much last season. She played 24 games, didn't have a lot of goals, a lot of stats, but she did help the one. The S was a huge impact, a great skater, finished two goals, 10 assists, 12 total points. But, uh, you know, she was really good, and she probably had arguably the biggest goal so far for this team in program history, had the game-winning goal in the WWCHL playoffs to give them that 2-1 to one lead. Yeah, you talk about all those great players offensively and their defensive side of things as well, but I think it all starts at the back end with Carson Hellman. I mean, just what a great season she had. She won the WWCHL MVP for her performance and in the regular season as well. I mean, 15 games played, a 10-2 and record, the goals against that 1.5. I mean, she was just phenomenal in that back end for ASU, and I think, you know, when it, when it all comes down to it, having a good goalie there as an anchor really does so much for your team, allows those offensive players, like you all said, to have such great seasons. So now let's transition here and continue our look back at last year and take a look at last year's top five plays. We're going to roll a highlight video, so take a look. Close this out for the last half of 15 minutes of the third period. Season. That one put back home by Sydney Paulson. It is her fourth of the game. Works ahead now. Mason Walker, one on three into the zone. She'll start in. Walker dangles right in. Walker to the front. Score! What a move by Mason Walker. We're tying it two. That was just an amazing. right back on out to Cresci leads it on in to Cresci rebound oh save made by Hellman
for some play-by-play. -play. Thank you for that, Molina, as we continue on here in the game. One more time, the Plyce, and try to feed into the middle. Backhander, score! chance two seconds and one third time is in fact the charm ASU are your conference champions well some highlight plays from last season there I'm glad you could take a look at that video and let's transition now from a little bit of last year to some sort of breaking news that came potentially out of nowhere. I know you guys were surprised by it, and we'll get into that in a second, but Mason Walker announced on Instagram the retirement. So this is straight from Mason's Instagram. Thanks for the last 15 years. Hockey, I will miss you. So what are some of your initial takeaways from the announcement, and how do you feel like that's going to affect the team? Yeah, there's a lot of uh, aspects here. First off, 29 points in 24 games played, 20 goals, 9 assists. Um, granted, if you look at uh, how he scored, he scored mainly in the first half of the season, took a little bit of a dip in the second half, but that doesn't matter because this is a top presence uh, forward that you're that is departing your team, especially on a late notice. Uh, I don't know if anyone knew, especially because Mason Walker had the A going into this coming season. All of a sudden, now he's gone. It also leaves a huge presence in the locker room unfulfilled and that could be something that could be dangerous for the Sun Devils. Chase, this uh, news came out of left field for me because, like you said, going into the season, Mason Walker was primed to be one of the alternate captains for this upcoming season, and I don't think we got a reason for his retirement at the time, but uh, we're hoping to get uh, some more information. But when we look back at last season for ASU, there, there's only three players who averaged more than a point per game. One was Sam Murphy, the other was Sidney Paulson, and Mason Walker was at the helm of it. Walker averaged 1.21 points per game. He was able to finish with, uh, with 20 goals, 9 assists for a grand total of 29 points in 24 game appearances. So this is going to leave a big hole in the offense for ASU that really needs to, to be filled up because, unfortunately, um, this team, like I said early on in the show, is not really an offensive-centric team, so they're going to have to find other assets to step up their game. Obviously, there's a lot of recruits on this roster, but, yeah, Mason Walker retiring just, what, last night or uh, just a couple days ago, it was definitely out of left field for me, and it leaves a huge um, uh, a filler that needs, to be, um, that needs to be replaced by ASU. Yeah, Mason brought just so much power to the offense, uh, you know, a lot of depth, too, and uh, – just, just the offensive presence that Mason was able to add on the team. And we just watching how Mason was able to play in, in uh, the first couple games, like just breaking records for the team, scoring, you know, on all cylinders. But then after that, Mason started to kind of tail off a little bit at the end of the season. You know, we saw that, uh, you know, no points in the last four games to end the regular season after, you know, riding that long 11-game point streak. And, you know, the captain at St. Plattsburgh playing in the NCAA D3 just – brought a lot of experience to this team and you could tell how much that uh you know he helped the offense so you know we'll, we'll see you know what it's going to be like going forward without mason but a big loss and you know some big breaking news last night yeah big loss indeed i know it caught pretty much all of us a little bit off guard and it's definitely going to be a big loss and now walker adds to a list of what's now 11 players who will not 
who, who played for the team last year who will not be returning this year and to go through the other players who will not be on the team you got Flo Odd, Carly Chadwick, Caitlin Cormier, Sheridan Gloyd, Emily Klein, Cameron Kozak, Andy Main, Hallie McClelland, Malik Raybuck, Amelia Smith, and then they also lost goaltending coach Kaylee Marino. So a lot of losses, notable names that were there last year who won't be there this year. How do you feel like as a whole these losses are going to affect the team this coming year? So I think a lot of them were like uh, bottom of the line uh, forwards and defensemen but the big ones here to me are amelia smith and cameron kozak these were two freshman forwards and they were number three and four on the team with points both at 19 by the end of the season but to me amelia smith was going to be one of the breakout stars had she stayed on the team for this upcoming season i thought her second half of the season was really good i thought she really stepped into a goal scorer probably one of the best on the team and I think with a couple more games on on her belt, I think she would have turned into one of the top forwards on this team. Yeah, I'll piggyback off you, Chase, and add someone else. So Cameron Kozak and Amelia Smith, they finished 3-4 in the overall points rankings on this ASU team. Smith had 19 points in 14 game appearances. Kozak also had 19 points in uh, 23 game appearances. So the the big picture for ASU is that they lost a lot of young, up-and-coming stars in Kozak and Smith but I want to add Flo Odd to um to the list as well because Flo Odd was on the top defensive pairing alongside with Maddie Platson and would Flo generate a lot of offense no but that was not her job her job was the hold down the fort on the defensive side of things and she was a big key why ASU had such a successful year so when we're talking about blue liners I think the biggest subtraction in my eyes is flow odd because while her offense is not there while she's not going to get herself into the score sheet all that often i if i had to like look at the plus minus if i had to look at the defensive point shares if i had to look at some other key assets that you look for in a defenseman you would look at flow odd so odd uh uh leaving asu to uh pursue a, a degree at a different university definitely is one of the bigger losses for asu this upcoming year you know, just just looking at right now how many players they lost. You know, four D, six six uh, offensive players, and you know it, they they did bring in four more defensemen that are going to be you know freshmen coming into the year. But it's always harder to you know grow the the players as defensemen than it is the the forwards, right? They're just a lot harder to to develop, and you you lost some big players back there. You know, like Floa, Sheridan, Gloyd, you know, and Sheridan who's been here you know her whole time since freshman year played you know over 100 games for this team and like I said the defense really took a big hit and just like Trey said you know even though players like Flo Odd didn't contribute a lot to the score sheet they made a really big impact on the ice especially to with Sheridan Gloyd brought a little bit more of a physical presence back there on the blue line so you know sure they, they do have a younger offense now a young core of a defense Okay, so we're it's, it's going to be tough to see you know how, how good this deep is going to you know come into the season or where they're going to play yeah, I mean, you talk about the defense, we're going to get onto that a little bit later on, you know, hit on the defense a little more. And with those players departing, we can also take a look at some of the players who are going to be returning. We already talked about some of those players, and you, you mentioned it, you know, that top four in scoring. Three out of the top four scorers will not be there. Sidney Paulson is the loan of the top four from last year who will be returning. So when you look at the list of players who will be returning, who among that group needs to step up the most in your opinion? Uh, I'm going with Berkeley Radcliffe, uh, especially with the departure of Flo Odd, like Trey was talking about. Berkeley really needs to step up. She had 17 points the year prior, 
declining to only seven this past season. That's a big departure from what she had the prior season. And especially with Flo Agon, she kind of carried uh, the offense on the blue line. Berkeley really needs to make sure to kind of fill that void. She's going to probably be relied on to be one of the top four defensemen, maybe even top two. And this is what she needs to do. She needs to go back to her 2021-2022 ways and try to find out that voodoo that uh, avoided her last season. So, Chase, I'm going to be somewhat controversial. Can I be controversial on this show? Go for it. Go for it, Trey. I'm going to go with Ellie McKenna and Sydney Paulson because, like we said at the beginning of the broadcast, with the subtractions of Mason Walker, Amelia Smith, Cameron Kozak, and players of that nature, there's a huge hole within the Sun Devils' offensive scheme that needs to be filled. In my opinion, ASU, once again, not really an offensive-minded team, and that's perfectly fine. They don't uh, play an east-west style type of hockey. They more play north-south. So uh, McKenna and Paulson need to have career years in order to make up valuable point production. And, yes, I could look at a recruit or I could look at an incoming freshman, but McKenna and Paulson have already established a good reputation on this program. So those young guns are going to be looking at them to be the veteran leaders. So, controversially, I'm going to go with McKenna and Paulson. That's not to say they had a bad showing last year, but they really do need to step up their game because the offense is going to have to generate off both respective players' sticks. And I'll throw in Sam Murphy as well, but I gave her the benefit of the doubt just because she joined the team halfway through the year uh, back in January, coming back from what, Nor Norwich uh, University? Correct. Uh, Joe, what about you? What do you think? You know, I'm, I'm going to go with the player in, in Jill Ketchum. Okay, you know, and, and Jill was tough. You know, the way she started the season, really rough. Just put up two goals, five assists, or three goals, two assists, five total points in just ten games. and Got to a really slow start. And, you know, we saw her line mate, Samantha Murphy, not playing with her just because the season before that she was really good. 23 games played, 17 goals, 13 assists, 30 total points. And just didn't quite have the start that she wanted, you know, compared to the season before. So, you know, and, and she was wearing the C this year too. And like I said, before the injury that she had, you know, going to the, uh, the lower body injury of the ACL. So, you know, we'll see what, what she can do this year. But like I said, I'm expecting a lot more from Joe Ketchum this season, especially, like I said, you know, bringing in some new players. And you're also going to have the chance to play a full year with your old linemate and Samantha Murphy. So a player that I want to see step up a little bit more, and that's going to be Joe Ketchum. Yeah, I mean, all of those players, good names, you talk about that gap at the top of at the top of the scoring, you know, needs to be filled by somebody and looking to those players to try to fill that gap and put up some hopefully historic seasons for them uh, for ASU. And now that we've talked about some of the additions, we talked about the subtractions. You mentioned a little bit about the rookies. Let's go a little bit more in depth about the rookies that are going to be joining the team. And the list of the rookies are we'll give you the full list of them right now. Amanda Benson, Emma Compton, Sophie Fossil, Anita Fleming. Mia Gervais, Hannah Coons, Brianne Powell, and Paige Ring. So some exciting names, to say the least. Chase, we'll start off with you. Who stands out to you the most, and what role are you expecting some of these rookies to play? There's a lot of good rookies here. I'm super excited to see these rookies in action. I think the big one for me, honestly, is going to be Brianne Powell. She had 16 points in 17 games last year with the Delta Hockey Academy. She plays forward. She has been hyped up for a while. Her wrist shot is insane. She is, has a quick shot, is able to get a goal quickly from the faceoff circle. Kind of reminds me of Ovechkin-like uh, player. She is very fast as well. She outskated everyone 
uh, at a practice last season on a torn ligament, which is insane to think uh, she could be a very, very powerful forward uh, for this upcoming season, and she could even end up on the top line. So basically with Powell, uh, in the words of uh, one of our fellow media uh, crew, uh, Billy Wannaberger, he described Powell as sort of like Sam Murphy. And I think that's a fair comparison because like you said, like, like you said, like you said, Chase, uh, Brianne Powell, I'm really excited to see what she can do uh, for this program. But obviously you got a lot of other capable uh, contributors in Amanda Benson and Emma uh, Compton. So really looking forward to uh, – uh, seeing their names on the roster and calling them out during the broadcast. So uh, these rookies, it's it's definitely going to be a kind of a new look team. But I think Lindsay Ellis is glad that she got this many recruits because let's face it, we just talked about this moments ago. A lot of key subtractions from this ASU roster, and quite honestly, we're going to have to see how it translates to the college level because obviously playing high school or travel hockey uh, is a lot different than playing at the ACHA college level. So I think uh, the, the, the main question that a lot of these uh, players need to answer, which is how well will their game translate and how can they contribute? Because there's a lot of spots open for a lot of players to step up, whether you're returning or whether you're a rookie. Uh, you know, and this kind of going off what, what Trey said, like I said, you know, we'll see what the what these new uh, freshman will do, you know, someone coming, like I said, starting out that rookie year, and, you know, you have Paige Ring, like just Chase said, 24 points in 30 games, playing at a Northern Alberta Extreme, you know, the U18 team, you know, as a forward, so we'll see what they can do. We've seen some success last season, you know, with some of the freshmen coming in. Amelia Smith was one to look at, you know, 22 games played, 14 goals, 5 assists, 19 total points. Another one, Cameron Kozak as well, she had 4 goals, 15 assists for 19 points, so, you know, we've seen some of these freshmen, you know, able to come in, step right in, just be a plug-and-play player and able to just help the team out already, make an impact on the ice. And, you know, who's to say that these forwards right now can't do that same thing? Yeah, absolutely. And we talked a little bit about the defensive pairing as well, and I want to go back to that as we talk about how the defensive situation is shaping up here going into this next year. And, you know, it's a common phrase in sports, you never have too much talent. But as you look at ASU's defense right now, they've got really nine defensemen who are fighting for a spot on that blue line. And so, Chase, why don't you give us some insight, if you can, uh, into how you see the defenseman situation shaping up? Yeah, you have a good amount of uh, defensemen now on this team, especially with the late addition of Sophie Fossil. You have Maddie Platson, Berkeley Radcliffe, Sammy Lush, Jester Venus, Hannah Coons, Amanda Benson, Mia Jarvis, uh, as mentioned, Fossil and Riley Armstrong. This is going to be a tight battle, and it could end up in a lot of different combinations. We'll go through my uh, projected lineup in a second, but there's a lot of uh, defensemen on this team, and uh, there's six slots in open at this at this level, and it's going to be tough battling for one. I think, uh, especially with the steps that a lot of these players took, uh, either in their senior year of high school or in Jester Venus's case. Uh, freshman year of ASU I think she's really underrated and I will go on to why I think the lineups are in a second but it's going to be a tight battle I think uh the big question I have for the defenseman for ASU is that who's going to generate the offense because obviously uh we talked about people like Maddie Platson, Flo Odd able to hold down the four on the defensive side of things and 
uh, Sammy Lush and also Berkeley Radcliffe, but those are not really offensive-minded players. So my main question for you, Chase, before I give uh, more uh, food for thought is, like, if you had to pick one defensive player who's going to be a, a, a big asset offensively, who would you who would you state? Uh, that's a good question, Trey. I'm looking at either Mia Jarvis or Hannah Coons, one of the uh, young defensemen coming into this team. Obviously, we know uh, the others. We know Sammy Lush is a defensive defenseman. We know Matty Platson is more of a defensive defenseman. So I'm looking at the uh, players that we don't really know yet. Mia Jarvis, for example, she had an extraordinary year last year with North Dakota High, 14 points in 24 games. Hannah Coons was captain of uh, one of her teams, nine points in 25 games with the Calgary Fire in 2021-2022. So I think these two players could really step up the game offensively for this team. Yeah, so I guess the, the main question is, is like we, we know what Berkeley Radcliffe could do. We know what Sammy Lush could do. We know what Matty Platson could do. But I guess, uh, like you said, Chase, we're just going to have to go with uh, some of the up-and-coming uh, players uh, on this program to try to generate the offense on the defensive side of things. So I guess that would be uh, Sophie Fossil and also Hannah Coons. And I, I know you were excited for the additions of both respective players on Twitter. So I guess if I have to pick, because I'm not really familiar with both of their games respectfully, I'm going to have to go with, like you said, Coons and Fossil. But I think Matty Platson has the capability of trying to be a good offensive player because she has a wicked good slap shot. And I think that's definitely going to be a big factor going into next season. Yeah, I mean, you talked a little bit about the defensive pairings and your full lineups, Chase. We're going to show them a bit on screen as we go through it. So I want to have you walk us through it and also have both of you kind of give your thoughts on on your projected defensive pairings and then also the forwards and, and et cetera. Yeah, of course. So uh, this is my projected defensive pairings. We don't know which way these new players shoot, so I just put them in the best order possible. So if we look at the uh, lineup, I have Hannah Coons, Berkeley Radcliffe, Sammy Lush, uh, top six uh, for the defensemen on the left-hand side. On the right-hand side, I have Maddie Platson, Mia Jarvis, and Sophie Fossil. I have Sophie Fossil actually replacing uh, Jestor Venus on that on that bottom pairing. I originally had her slotting in there, but I think because Coach Lindsay Ellis added her so late and she uh, switched from U of A to ASU, I think Sophie Fossil has something uh, up her sleeve. I have Amanda Benson being the seventh defenseman. Yeah, you know, I'm just looking at this lineup, Chase, that you got going. You know, one of the things I really like, too, here is Maddie Platts. And, you know, she didn't have a lot of points, but what she does bring is she's a very tall player, has a really long reach. So she's, you know, able to break up a lot of plays, like I said, get her stick inside the passing lane, break up plays because she has such a long reach. And, you know, the size difference, uh, one of the tallest players in the team. So, like I said, like her where she's sitting at up top. And, you know, this is a chance to having Berkeley Radcliffe on that second line to kind of step up and see what she can bring to the table this year. Like I said, didn't have too many points. Other player who, you know, does not show up too well on the score sheet, but she does make an impact on the ice. And Berkeley, you know, to one of the better skaters on the back end, especially when you lose Flo Wad. So it'll be good to see uh, uh, what some of these players do and what some of these new rookies are going to bring to the table after you lost so many defensemen last season, you know, like Sheridan Gloyd, your Flo Wad, right? So another player, like I said, Sammy Lush, another veteran player. you got three veteran players back there on the back end. But, you know, the Sophie Fossil, Amanda Benson, Hannah Coons up there on the top line, Mia Jarvis as well. We'll see if these are going to be plug-and-play players, you know, when you're rolling seven defensemen like this. So uh, we'll see what type of impact they make this year. Yeah, reliance on some of those rookies defensively. Any thoughts, Trey? Uh, what I like here, Chase, is that I, I love a good, balanced uh, defensive pairing, which is like, 
you got one player that's defensive centric, but the other player might be more offensive centric. I think that's a good balance. I think it cancels it out because we talked about Hannah Coons being a uh, big addition to this team and how she could potentially have uh, a decent amount of offense generate off her stick, but she's paired alongside Maddie Platson, and we saw what Platson was able to do with Odd last year. Uh, uh, Mia Jarvis uh, paired alongside with Berkeley Radcliffe. That's definitely an X factor in, in my eyes because we're not really uh, familiar with Jarvis's game, but we know what Radcliffe can do. And then Sammy Lush, uh, like we said moments ago, defensive-minded defenseman, but uh, Sophie Fossil can try to help uh, generate uh, more offense. So in this day and age, and we see this in the NHL, we see this in college, we see this wherever, it seems like defensemen, and you being a San Jose Sharks fan, you should know this, which is like we're really uh, praising defensemen for getting a lot of points nowadays, but we need to focus more on the defensive side of it. So I like, uh, I, I like this defensive pairings, Chase. Yeah, so – Looking at the defense there, let's go transition over to the offensive side of things and look at the forwards. Chase, you also built out some of your projected forward lines. So, again, walk us through it, and then we'll give some of our thoughts. Yeah, so on that first line, I have Logan Satera, Ellie McKenna, and Brianne Powell. Ellie McKenna was on that uh, center, uh, first line center position for most of the season last year. I have Logan Satera bumping up all the way to that first line. She was on that first line a couple times throughout the season. Uh, I think with her steps in the playoffs last season i think she deserves that top line position i think brianne powell is going to be a great addition to this team i think uh when she's proven she'll be on that top line looking at the second line jill catchem sam murphy and sydney paulson i mean i think coach Lindsay ellis wants to reunite these three sam murphy and jill catchem obviously had that incredible point production in the 2021-2022 season so you kind of want to reunite her try to get jill going again and then sydney paulson just was amazing with uh, Sam Murphy last season. You go on to the third line, Anita Fleming, Maddie Messenbrink, and Haley Martin. Uh, Haley Martin was on that third line for most of the year last year, so I project that she's going to be right back down there. Maddie Messenbrink, I feel like, is going to really carry the physicality for this team, especially with Mason Walker gone. You really want her in the lineup. I think it's a smart choice to put her on that third line with Anita Fleming. Fleming is a great defensive forward, uh, can really cover up any mistakes that Haley Martin makes. Um, but I think these are three forwards that can really be a great two-way players in the fourth line. Tristan Craig, Paige Ring, and Emma Compton. I am not the biggest uh, believer in Tristan Craig after last season, but I do believe that she can thrive in a fourth-line role like this. I think Emma Compton and Paige Ring, I threw them down there. We don't really know what she, they both can do yet. So this is a time to prove themselves, and they can work their, their way up the lineup uh, if they play productively well. Yeah, so when looking up and down the lineup, Chase, obviously Logan Satara I think is one of my biggest X factors because it, she got off to a slow start, but she once again, she was a rookie. She was coming into a new program, and uh, we saw Satara able to just uh, generate a, a lot of um, offense towards the end of the year. So uh, she was injured in the last regular season game uh, versus GCU. Uh, but picked up her first goal of the season versus GCU, if it's uh, if it's uh, worth mentioning. But uh, this past season for uh, Satara, she had two goals, three assists for a grand total of um, uh, five points, and she played in 16 games. So I think the thing for Satara is that we've seen it at times, and I think the same could be said for Tristan Craig. So you said you're not the biggest believer in Craig. However, I think uh, 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 in, in the few games she was able to thrive and showcase herself, Obviously, 
three goals, three assists, six points, 20 game appearances. Obviously doesn't look good on paper, but she wasn't able to pick up a point in her last five games to end the regular season. So obviously the, the saying is it's not how you start, it's how you finish. So I think for Craig, the, the thing is uh, for both her and Satera is consistency, which is start strong, finish uh, strong. And during the WWCHL playoffs, we saw uh, Satera able to find the back of the net, I believe, once or twice. And it, it definitely was a momentum shift for ASU because once Satera was able to get it going, the whole team was able to get it going. Other X factors include like Jill Ketchum, uh, a missed half of the year due to injury. Sam Murphy uh, joined the team halfway through, transferring from Norwich University. So this lineup is full of X factors and untapped potential, but the main question I have is who's going to step up to the plate and who's going to take their games to new heights because with all these subtractions, there's room for improvement. Yeah, and just uh, go ahead, Joe. Uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, just, just going in and looking here at this lineup, you know, Chase, you have the projected first line, Logan's Terra, Ellie McKenna, Brianna Powell. Um, but I think the true first line here in, in these projected lineups is that second line. Joe Ketchum, Sam Murphy, Sidney Paulson, veteran players coming back. You have two of the players right now who were in the top five in points last season with Sidney Paulson and Sam Murphy. And then if we go a year before that, it, we had Joe Ketchum, who was second on the team just behind um, you know Sam Murphy. So like I said, I think the true first line is that second line if we're, we're looking at it right now. Um, and I think that's going to be a big line, especially putting out Paulson with Sam Murphy. You know, we know the game that Sidney Paulson had last season – Four goals in a game at Mullet Arena um, and had a really good year last season. Second on the team at points, 27, and Sam Murphy sitting at five on the team with 16, but she only played 13 games. And Jill, we know her situation, had a lower body injury out for the year. So, you know, we just don't know yet what some of these players are going to do. You know, Logan Tatero only put up five points. We don't know what type of game Brianna Powell is going to bring yet. We know Ellie McKenna, though, what she does do, and she was six on the team in points. Had 14 total, 11 goals, 3 assists. So, like I said, I really like that second line you have right here with Joe Ketchum, Sam Murphy, and Sidney Paulson. But without offense, you got to have some good goaltending as well. Yeah, real quick on the goaltenders, um, not a lot here. Your obvious starter is Carson Hellman. She was magnificent last season. Arguably should have the uh, starter net to open the season. So I think by far she her position is locked. The one that I'm very questionable about is Quinn Inger. Uh, played one game last season with a shutout, but that was against the University of Denver. Right now she is the projected backup, but will new goaltender coach Evan Hauser find a new third string goaltender and will they outplay uh, Inger? My prediction right now is no, but we will see. Yeah, so a lot of things to look out for on that lineup. Some great insight from all of you on some of those projections. We'll see how that shapes up <clears throat> going into the start of the season. With that, let's take a look now at the schedule. The schedule was, re was released out on Instagram, and here's some of the graphics from it. If you aren't already following the ASU women's hockey team on all of their social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, make sure to follow them to stay up to date there. And So let's take a look at the schedule now. And there you see the matches starting off in the September to October range. And we'll just kind of go through it and give us some of your predictions on how you see the ASU team shaping out. Well, for me, this is one of the easiest stretches of the season. I mean, that first game, uh, excluding the Kachinas, obviously, uh, against Maryville. That is a rematch from Nationals last season. That is going to be a tough one. That's going to be a telling one. If ASU even manages to pull one win off that team, I think it's going to be great vibes in that locker room, especially avenging what happened last season. 
And then you have some easy teams. You have University of Colorado and CSU. CSU, I mean, they're a decent team, but they're nowhere near the potential that ASU has. I think University of Utah could be interesting. I think they're going to be a better team this season. I think they got a lot of great rookies on their team uh, now transitioning into sophomores. But then again, I think this is the easiest stretch of the season for them. Yeah, so when looking at September and October, uh, like you said, Chase, I think the biggest game for ASU is definitely Maryville University because it's a similar storyline that we saw last year when they played uh, the University of Colorado, which is can you get some sort of payback after a team ended your season and you felt like you can uh, just go, go a little further in the playoffs, obviously. Nationals a little different than the WWCHL uh, championship, but still. Uh, Maryville is definitely, I think, the biggest X factor for ASU. But don't underestimate uh, those series against University of Colorado and also Colorado State University, which is you need to rack up the wins, but do not underestimate your opponent. So I think for ASU, uh, I think uh, a game or a series you can drop is Maryville. But focus on the University of Utah, University of Colorado, and also Colorado State University because those are three teams that ASU was able to handle with some sort of ease last season. Yeah, you know, if we're, if we're just looking at this right now, the schedule, um, you know, that the only tough game you have right now really in, in September and October is that Maryville game. But realistically, if we're looking at things from last season to this season, I mean, Utah should be a win. University of Colorado, Colorado State, all should be wins. GCU might give them a tough time, but, you know, still I, I don't see a reason why they should lose to GCU right now again. I mean, just look at what they did to them during the regular season. So and including the playoffs. But I think when you start to turn the page into the second uh, half of the season, that second semester, January, February, playing some tougher opponents. You have Lakeland College up there, McKendree, Maryville, Lindenwood. Some, you know, ASU finally beat Lindenwood just last season when they played. So, or the year before, or, yes, no, no, it was uh, uh, last season when they played. So, you know, some easier games too. You have Denver, but, uh, you know, those first couple games, like I said, you know, uh, are going to be pretty easy. Lighten the schedule. First half is really light until you get to the second half of the schedule, and that's where the, ga the games start to become bigger and tougher, and uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, one of the things that stands out to me, especially on that schedule, you talk about how important that Maryvale, kind of a test for the team, and you look at that September-October matchup, I mean, realistically the first game of the season against Maryvale, really tough opponent, and then you get them again in January you can see how the ASU team has changed from that game from the first time they meet them to the second time and and hopefully even if they drop the first two to Maryville on September 28th and 29th they're able to pick up the win or at least one of the wins on the 12th or the 13th so I'll just give you one last chance to give brief thoughts on the January February March both Trey and Chase since you didn't really talk about it yeah um November December that's gonna be a hard hitting one more physical than anything because of GCU we all know how that plays out um the horn cup that's going to be one that i'm looking forward to it's going to test some of these abilities and it's going to also honor the old asu women's hockey squad from the early 2000s so i'm very excited for that as well i go on to january february march that's their probably their hardest stretch they go to missouri slash illinois uh for mckenzie maryville and lindenwood um Lindenwood was not good last year. 6-19 and one tie. Uh, so that could be an easy one. But McKendry was the one that ended Liberty's historic 54-game winning streak. So that's going to be an interesting matchup. We'll see how McKendry fares well this season. And then Maryville again. I mean, this is a big one. Lakeland, uh, they, are a U, uh, they are a Canadian University team. So it's going to be interesting to see them play over in Gilbert. 
Um, that could be an exciting one for Coach Lindsey Ellis and could be a one that really tests her squad. Denver's going to be easy. Utah, that, that one, you know, could be iffy, could go either way. We'll see. Uh, and then they'll be hopefully back in Utah for the WWCHL regular season, or sorry, WWCHL playoffs. Um, and that could be an interesting one as well. And then moving on, if they make it to Nationals, St. Louis, back to Missouri. Uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I would love to go to uh, St. Louis. I got some ties down there. But uh, November and December, like you said, Chase, I think that would definitely be a uh, one of the toughest parts of their schedule because they got to play two series against Grand Canyon University. Obviously, they got to do a third one uh, come the January, February, March stretch in, in February, to be exact. So, yeah, I think uh, November and December is definitely going to be a true challenge for ASU. And then when looking at January, February, and March, we see some familiar faces and a couple teams that ASU would have already hypothetically played at that point in the year. So I think uh, when when looking at this uh, logistically, I think ASU, if, if they're going to have a stretch in which they struggle, it will most likely be November and December. But it once again, start strong finish strong that's what i look uh for when uh seeing how the schedule is being projected yeah exciting schedule we'll see how it all shapes out in the regular season and so as we wind down approach the hour mark here on the stream and try to wrap things up we'll look at one last final season preview and talk briefly for each of uh, each of you so if, we'll see if asu is going back to nationals for a second straight year will they win the wwchl championship as well and get that bid and so what are some of your expectations? What are some of your predictions? How far do you think they're going to go? Well, you know, we just look back to last season, right? You know, they had the best season in, in program history. And, you know, the schedule in the first half of the, the semester is fairly easy. So, you know, should be able to grab a couple wins. And, you know, you, you might not win 18 games like you did last season, but you still should be a favorite to win the WWCHL, and you should still be able to see this team competing in nationals again at the end of the year. I think they're a favorite to win WWCHL again. I don't think they're going to have a better record than last season. They went 18-4 and 2 last season, but that's because their their rec their upcoming schedule is a lot harder than last season. They played their WWCHL opponents numerous times throughout last season and really only played a handful of eastern teams and those weren't the best eastern teams but now coach Lindsay ellis is trying to schedule a harder schedule and i mean with maryville obviously with mckendry these are harder teams so i think they're gonna have a worse record than last season but not by much simply because their schedule is a bit harder and i genuinely do think they have a fantastic chance to win the wwchl again it's the question if will they win a game in nationals that's probably coach Lindsay ellis's projection uh right now um and you know we'll see so i think for me it's uh it's not going to be easy to repeat it's never easy to repeat so i think uh with the subtractions and also uh the teams that might be gunning for them it's definitely going to be a challenge for asu like you said chase my projection is i think their record is going to be somewhat worse but I think uh, ASU will rise to the challenge and then come the playoffs, maybe we'll see them uh, repeat. But I, I, I don't want to count my chickens just yet because it's hard to repeat in any sport. Yeah, and so as we take that final look at the season, we'll wrap things up here on this edition of What You're Talking About. It's been a fantastic show here to be able to do it right here at the Community Iceplex. We were able to watch the end of the practice beforehand from the ASU women's hockey team and so we thank you so much for tuning into this special edition we'll sign off one last time and 
Right, quickly before we go, we want to mention Inferno TV is where you're going to be able to see all of the ASU women's hockey games, home games during this coming regular season. And so if you haven't already followed Inferno TV, they're available also on all major platforms on Twitter and on Instagram. And we're also probably going to be streaming those games on YouTube. So make sure you keep an eye out for that. The link will, I'm sure, be posted on the Women's Hockey Facebook page when those become available. And we'll try to keep the links on the Facebook page for some time so that the, that transition is easy and you'll be able to catch all of those games. And, and guys, too, I just want to say, you know, because I was with you guys all last season, you guys are going to have such a great year because this is my last official broadcast with all of you guys because I'm going to be going on. If some of you don't know, i uh, moving on to the uh, Baton Rouge Zydeco of the FPHL. So uh, these guys are going to be in good hands with you guys. Ari Wall, Chase Beardsley, Trey Matthews. So going to do a lot of fun. Got a lot of new pl uh, people coming in, too, to help out with the media. So got a lot of great coverage to this uh, great group of girls and a uh, great team that Lindsay Ellis put together. Rest Let's do peace. this, guys. Yeah, it's been Repeat a it one more time. To have all of you on board and, and for Chase and for Trey, we'll, we'll, we'll keep doing this for another uh, year or so. And for Joseph, <laughs> he'll do some great things out in New Orleans. So. One last time for Trey Matthews, for Chase Beardsley, and for Joseph Hurtado. I'm Ari Wall saying so long here from the Women's Hockey Facebook page, and thank you so much for listening to this special edition of What You Talking About.